Are you ready to finish the exact book you've always wanted to write on exactly your own terms? Welcome to the Mindset to Finish Your Book podcast. I'm Zahia Al-Khoury, certified life coach, author, former lawyer, and current mother of three. This podcast is dedicated to help you shift your relationship to creativity and visibility so you can unlock the mindset you need to finish your book. You will learn the most transformative tools of life coaching and how to apply them to your life as a writer. Joining me will be a collection of super cool guests from both the world of coaching and the world of publishing. Because you and your book are not a closed system. You, your partner, your children, your day job, your health, your nervous system, your editor, and your agent are all part of an ecosystem, and we need to nurture all of these relationships for you to thrive. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive in. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for coming back to hang out with me on the Mindset to Finish Your Book. Maybe you're driving around in your car, maybe you're doing your laundry, maybe you're walking around a track while your kid plays soccer. Wherever you are in the space-time continuum, thank you for joining me here in this conversation. In our first episode, I introduced you to step one of my four-step process to finish and fix everything that is wrong with your book. If you haven't already listened to episode one, stop right here. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. The first episode has important information about the praise-to-criticism ratio and why it's important in the creative process. You may skip the last part of Episode 1 if you haven't started writing your book. Yes, but please, for the love of all things holy, not the beginning. I jest, of course, because you are the leader in your own life. And I'm going to say more about being the leader in your own life in a little bit. But I will say that if you have any words written down at all, step one will change your relationship to them for the better. No matter how long or short or incomplete your manuscript might be, even if it's just a few pages of brainstorming. Episode one will help you fall in love with your book again so that you can dive into steps two, three, and four with confidence and enthusiasm and joy. And so you know where I'm going with all this. Here's a roadmap. Step one, remind yourself what you love about your book. Step two, build a creative chrysalis. Step three, connect with your vision. Step four, entertain feedback like a sovereign. Now, before we begin, I want to revisit a more personal version of the story I told you in episode one. Once upon a time, you had an idea for a book. You and your book had an exciting courtship full of first dates and romance and longing and appreciation. You devoted time and energy to nurture your new relationship. And one day you hit 40,000 words and you showed it to a developmental editor who gave you a long list of things that were wrong with it. Maybe she even said something like, this story would be even better if the characters were Muslim Arabs instead of Christian Arabs. Or maybe you took your book to a workshop and the first person in the circle to comment on the book said, I've heard this story before and I'm bored. Could you tell it from a different character's point of view? Or maybe you were sitting in your workshop and you heard someone critique someone else's story, calling it juvenile or simplistic or sentimental. Getting and hearing this kind of feedback before I knew how to articulate the kinds of stories I wanted to tell and the books I wanted to write did not make me a better writer. I feel like I'm saying something super transgressive here. My MFA program was full of lovely people and brilliant writers I admire. It gave me a stamp of approval I needed at that time in my life, but it did not make me a better writer. It made me hover my fingers over the keyboard before every sentence, always hearing all the different things people might say was wrong with that sentence before I'd even written it. 
It made me spend entirely too much time wondering whether the stories I wanted to tell were boring and sentimental and stereotypical. It actually made me dread writing and question why I wanted to be a writer at all. I got so caught up in pleasing everyone else and putting their vision for my book above my own that writing, which once felt meaningful and fun, began to feel heavy and exhausting. And other people didn't seem to be having this experience, so I assumed it was something wrong with me, some character defect or personal flaw. So what was the problem? It wasn't that these writers and editors were bad at storytelling or even bad at editing, though some of them definitely were talking to sound smart or justify their fees rather than to actually help me get better. And to be absolutely clear, this is not their fault either. They just have their own stuff going on. They're just humans. It wasn't even that their advice was wrong, and it wasn't that I wasn't cut out to be a writer. The problem was simply that I didn't know how to evaluate this feedback, which was meant to be helpful, and in turn, select the pieces of feedback that would actually be useful to make my book do what I wanted it to do. And it was that hearing so much of that negative feedback made me unable to access my creative vision enough to have a full draft that was actually ready for critique. When my classmates talked about the experience of being in workshop, they all had the same advice for one another. Grow a thicker skin. This is a piece of advice I hear people give writers and artists in general. Another version of this might sound something like, if you don't have a thick skin, you can't be an artist because criticism and rejection are part of the process. It is true that a lot of art has been made by people who had thick skin or who actually did not care what other people thought about them. But it's also true that the same sensitivity that makes people fine observers of human behavior and compelling conveyors of interior human landscapes makes them sensitive to how other people feel about their work. And those sensitive people who are sensitive by nature or by existing as people of color in majority white cultures or by being women or queer or just plain empathetic humans, those people have very interesting stories to tell. And I do not want those people to give up writing before they finish or even start their books because they do not know how to grow a thicker skin or manufacture an exoskeleton that would protect them from the effects of criticism, whether that criticism is well-meaning or self-aggrandizing. Which brings me to step two, building a creative chrysalis. It's taken me a few years, okay, several years, to figure out what would have prepared me for that workshop. And this insight has formed the backbone of my Mindset to Finish Your Book coaching program, the MFB. And you know, I call it the MFB because it's a play on MFA, which is the Master's in Fine Arts degree. You probably know that, but just in case you didn't know, that's why. What sets me apart as a writing coach is that I rarely read my clients' writing. I am qualified to give editorial feedback. I have an MFA in creative writing, and I have spent many, many years thinking about the structure and form of novels and memoirs. But most of my clients already have all the knowledge they need and the beta readers they need. They already hold themselves to the highest standards. They already have that inner voice asking them whether their work is stereotypical or hackneyed or sentimental. What they don't have is the ability to keep going in that time between imagining what they are capable of and making it happen. Feedback is important and often necessary, but only after the work has gone through what I call the creative chrysalis. Cue mini science lesson. The chrysalis is the protective covering that many species of insect larvae generate when they are undergoing the transformation from one thing to another, say from caterpillar to butterfly. 
In the middle of the process, if you cut into the chrysalis, you will find neither a caterpillar nor a butterfly. You will find the old body of the caterpillar breaking itself down into imaginal cells that reform into the butterfly. It's pure potential, and it looks like goo. It's the same in the creative process. There's a vulnerable moment in which you would essentially find pure potential that looks like goo. If you interrupt the cycle, the butterfly will never emerge. That's why I don't want to dissect you and your process. I want to support you in building the chrysalis. I want to support you in trusting your imaginal cells. I want to support you in recognizing all the magical winged forms you and your work might become when you emerge on the other side. This is what I do for my clients. And please, this is your invitation to contact me if you want my support. But also, you can build a chrysalis for yourself. You can be particular about when you show your work and to whom. You can ask for the kind of feedback you think would be most helpful to you. You can create a writing support group instead of or in addition to a writing critique group. You can create a literal physical space to work on your book that's just for you. Or you can put headphones on at a table in the library to signal to your body that you don't need any outside voices at this particular moment. You can remind yourself that no one can help you make your book better until you know the book you want to write. You can remind yourself that no one can write your book because only you have access to your particular experience of living in your body in this time and place. Take a deep breath and imagine it now, your chrysalis. And then imagine it again every time you sit down to write. Once you have built your literal or energetic chrysalis, you can move on to step three. Step three, connect to your vision. Just as step one is designed to connect you with what you have already written, and step two is designed to create an energetic chrysalis for your vision to develop, step three is designed to connect you with what you actually want to write. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to download my free workbook and fill it out. Go to mindsettofinishyourbook.org or find the link in the episode notes. The workbook contains some of the questions I ask my clients most often, the questions that help them articulate things that they didn't know were in their brains. For example, if you were my client, I might ask you, why this book at this time? I might ask you, why are you the best person to write this particular book? I might ask, why are you more qualified to write this book now more than ever? I might ask you to imagine that the draft was already complete and to list the five most pivotal scenes. And then this might seem like the same question, but it's a different question. I might ask you to imagine that the draft was already complete and to name your five favorite moments in the book. I might ask you what books and other media inspire you and what books your book would be in conversation with if they were all attending a cocktail party. I like to think of my book as Exit West meets Crazy Rich Asians, and I love to think about Michelle Yeoh speaking to the characters from Exit West. And hey, did you know that Riz Ahmed is attached? I definitely want to be at that party. And if we can invite the authors of Pineapple Street and Yellowface as well, and wait, what about Maxine Hong Kingston and Amy Tan and Mira Jacob and Hala Alyan? Wait, and what if we can eat olives and drink strawberry lemonade and start a dance party? Well, that's pretty much my dream. And just now, in talking about this, I feel an incredible surge of energy to work on my novel rewrites. I want this for you. I am really, really good at generating the right questions to get you excited about writing your book. And I know other coaches and editors who are as well. So you can work with a coach or an editor to discover and preserve your creative vision. But I also encourage you to spend some time with my workbook answering questions that will help you 
articulate, appreciate, and protect your creative vision. And for those who aren't able to work with a coach one-on-one, I encourage you to spend some time thinking deliberately about what you want your book to be. It may, at different points, take on a shape or a life of its own. But remember, you are not the servant of the spirit of your book. You are the steward. You are in charge, and you get to make the decisions. The purpose of all of these questions is to connect you with the spirit of your book and to remind you that you are the steward of your vision, not its servant. This is foundational to step four. Entertain feedback like a sovereign. You are not just the steward of your vision. You are also the queen or the empress or the king or the non-binary sovereign of your creative vision. Your book is not a democracy. You are not the servant of your writing group, and you are not the employee of your workshop, and you are not the avatar of your agent. What do I mean by this, and how do you do it? Let's go back to our story once again. Once upon a time, you had an idea for a book. You and your book idea had an exciting courtship full of first dates and romance and longing and appreciation. You married your book idea, and you went deep into a honeymoon phase. And one day, you and your book idea produced an actual, completed, 80,000-word manuscript that you were really proud of. You knew it wasn't perfect, but it was, at its core, what you wanted it to be. You pitched it to agents, but did not receive representation. So you went back and hired a developmental editor. And then you received feedback. So, so much feedback. Maybe the manuscript had so much critique in red ink that it looked like it was bleeding. You felt discouraged and demoralized and considered giving up. You started to wonder whether your book was beyond repair. Maybe you considered applying to law school. Or maybe you signed with an agent who sold it to a publishing house. But then the editor from that publishing house sent you back a manuscript with so many suggestions, you started to wonder whether they were mad at you and regretted paying you the advance. So here you are in the present with this bleeding manuscript. You could probably struggle through all these edits and corrections and take your book to the next level, but you wish it weren't so hard. Here are some thoughts you might be having. This person thinks I'm a bad writer. What if I am a bad writer? This editor is disappointed in me. I'm never going to be done with this book. And if I ever am done with this book, people are going to hate it because it's so bad. And having these thoughts might lead you to a few different kinds of actions. A. You might be excited and energized to have the feedback and get right to work without drama. If so, hooray, keep going. Just turn off this podcast now and keep going. B. You might be demoralized and make the suggested changes, but it feels like you are crawling through the mud under a scratchy wire fence. C. You might sit staring at the comments in panic and start watching Netflix instead. All three of these are perfectly normal responses. But if you want to have more of action A than actions B or C, there are some thoughts you can cultivate instead. I am in charge of my story. I am the queen of my creative vision. I trust myself, my process, and my timing completely. This is one I learned from one of my coaches. When stewarding a daunting revision, you can entertain wise counsel, but you alone get to decide what is best for your book. The writing group is there to help you. Your classmates in the workshop are there to help you. Your agent is there to help you. Your editor at the publishing house is there to help you. But also, they do not have access to your vision until you manifest it. If being around them is getting in the way of your writing, you can take a break and return to steps one and two and three. 
You might notice that these ideas around being a leader in your creative life and in your creative project are all associated with the idea of sovereignty, of autonomy, of creative independence, of self-determination, which is why I named my coaching business Sovereign Storytelling. If you come to criticism from a really grounded place of knowing that you don't have to agree with it or be defensive about it, you will better be able to evaluate it and decide whether or not to address the topics your readers are raising. I'll give you another example. I had a client this year, a coach, who has published previous nonfiction books and who wanted to write a more personal book, part memoir and part self-help. The editor who had published her previous books did not want her to include the memoir parts. She and I discussed it, and she decided to include them anyway, even if it meant she would self-publish. She was able to do this because for her, the goal was to tell this particular personal story. I do not mean that telling a particular authentic story that's personal is the only possible goal for a writer. You might want commercial or literary success, in which case you might be highly motivated to take the advice of agents or editors who have that same goal for you. That is up to you. But please picture yourself on the throne, entertaining wise counsel from trusted advisors and graciously ignoring those who don't get the needs and desires of your creative vision. This topic of how to receive and use feedback is a big one and I plan to address it in future episodes in different ways, including interviews and answering questions from writers like you. Be sure to join me for my next episode, which is an interview with Stacey Swan, a writer and editor I admire deeply. But for now, let's review the four steps of how to fix everything that is wrong with your book and finish it. Step one, remind yourself what you love about your book. Step two, build a creative chrysalis. Step three, connect with your vision. Step four, entertain feedback like a sovereign. And maybe the most important thing to know is that you are not the only person struggling. I coach writers at all stages of their careers, and many of them are embarrassed and ashamed by the suffering they endure for their writing. You are not alone in your struggle, and you don't have to be alone in the solution. Thanks for listening to the Mindset to Finish Your Book podcast. If you're ready to finish the exact book you've always wanted to write, but you're struggling to juggle your book, day job, and family life, I have a one-on-one coaching offer just for you. Learn more and download your free workbook at mindsettofinishyourbook.org. Through this guide, you will learn how to fall back in love with your creative vision the very next time you sit down to write. You can find the direct link to download it in the episode notes. Do you know another author who needs to hear this episode? Be sure to send it to them. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please leave me a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. I'm Zahia Al-Khori, your host, and I cannot wait to see what you create. See you next time.